We are back with the Elenials podcast. Uh, I'm Smith. I'm Seth. We, uh, so you're probably wondering why there's no episode for last week, and there's a good explanation for that. And it's, Well, there's um, not a good explanation. <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a thing where you can record between, uh, two types of recording called MME and, uh, Wasapi or something. I chose mm-hmm. Wasapi because I was trying to do an experimental recording and see if I could record Discord calls for, like, future interviews or something, just in case, because we have a, a backup of the audio, and I forgot to change it back to MME, and the audio sounded like uh, doo-doo garbage. Mm-hmm. And so we did not upload last week, and that's all my fault. Seth's audio was perfect. It was totally yeah. fine. I tried to convince him to upload an episode of Just Me Talking, because it <laughs> probably would have been a lot more popular, but... I mean, the yeah. last time that happened, it was super popular, so who knows, right? Yeah, but we have a, we're doing a special episode this week. It's a concept episode. Um, the concept is that one of us is very hungover, and you guys can guess which one over time. <laughs> um, just to give you guys some hints, I'm currently recording in a room with no lights, no windows, and my headphones are turned all the way down. Which is smart anyways, because we don't want to have any crossover, right, of the audio from me onto your track. So, smart move yeah. anyways. Exactly. And hearing you is, you know, like hearing hot garbage. So, was, you know, <laughs> turn that down as much as possible and you can oh, have a better day, honestly. You son of a bitch. You fucking... Yeah. You owned me. Ugh. Um, I'm trying. You're trying to own me? Okay. Uh, so... We got some stuff to talk about, and I believe that uh, this time you have a thing you want to bring up. Oh yeah, I got something to start us off with. Um, so one of my favorite musicians, maybe my favorite musician uh, at the moment, uh, Chance the Rapper, released a couple of songs, or he released four songs this week in uh, preparation for his album that'll be coming out soon. And on one of these tracks, he gets a little political, and uh, there's two parts of the song that are political. We'll go over both of them. One of them is rubbing people the wrong not really rubbing people the wrong way, but kind of making them worried, but we'll get into that. So, the song is called I Might Need Security, um, and it was released on, like, Thursday, and so on the song, uh, Chance is a little, he's a little angry, he's, like, trying to um, get some points across, and at the end of the first verse, he decides to go in on Rahm Emanuel, who is the current mayor of Chicago. Oh, yeah, I know him well. Yeah, uh, Chance is from Chicago. He makes music about Chicago. He, his name basically should be Chicago. He he talks about it all the time. So, um, I can't remember how long ago this was, but there was uh, uh, an open hearing about how the Rahm Emanuel had decided to spend ninety five million dollars on a new police academy for Chicago, um, and Chance the rapper went to the uh, hearing and voiced his opinions about how that. We sh- that Chicago shouldn't have that and how they should spend that money on public schools because that's something that's very important. And he, at, while, while he was talking, Rahm Emanuel walked out um, of the hearing. And it didn't make Chance happy, obviously. So at the, end of his, at the end of his first verse, he says, I bet I get a statue in my hometown when I die. And Rahm, you're done. I'm expecting a resignation and an open investigation on all these paid vacations for murderers. Yeah, because um, doesn't Chicago have a terrible uh, uh, problem with the, the police murdering black people? Basically. Like, so Everywhere, really? 
Exactly. So what Chance is getting to here is that not only did Rahm Emanuel fund this $95 million police academy, but uh, he constantly supports the police when one of them, you know, kills an innocent person for no reason, and they get, and he says you're, it's an it's a paid vacation for murderers because they these uh, police officers normally get time off with like a suspension with pay, um, so basically they get to take a few days off of work for killing a black person. So it's almost an incentive, and so that was a it's a pretty fiery line, and um, I'm glad that you know. We're having some politically charged lyricism right now. Um, yeah, it's like I also think I remember seeing a thing about how Chicago funded uh, like a black site where they would take people to to like just uh, literally put them in a box and not like basically just to d- violate their uh, you know their rights as, as Americans um, and just lock them up and beat them and all that kind of shit to accuse them of crimes. Like Chicago is not very good when it comes to this stuff. No, it's uh. It's kind of a wasteland right now. So, and some people are trying to make it better. Um, Chance the Rapper is one of them. So, in a second verse, this is where some controversy comes in. So, for context, um, the Chicago Sun Tribune. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember how long ago it was. A few months back, they um, accused Chance the Rapper. They made an article about how Chance the Rapper was currently embroiled in uh, child support. Uh, dispute with his girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend girl he was dating and has a kid with um and this may and they just talked about how he's like not paying his child support or whatever and he's like trying to get out of it and this didn't make him very happy because him his daughter and his wife all claim that this isn't true so he got really mad at the chicago sun tribune for making this article about him and so he says right here I donate to the schools. Next, they call me a deadbeat daddy. The Sun Times getting that Rohner business. I got a hit list so long, I don't know how to finish. I bought the Chicagoist just to run you racist bitches out of business. Speaking of racist, fuck your microaggressions. I'll make you fix your world like a typo suggestion. Pat me on the back too hard and paddle ask for your job. And in unrelated news, someone will beat your ass at your job. Damn. Yeah, so basically what happened is that Chance the Rapper bought a recently defunct Chicago news slash lifestyle website called The Chicagoist. Um, and, you know, lot, some people are like, oh, this is cool. You know, they were out of business anyway, so it's good that he's, like, reviving a website. And some people are thinking that it might be that Chance the Rapper is playing with a slippery slope of trying to control the media and his image, um, which I do see that is one way to read the scenario, I don't there's, think there's th- parallels there to Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post. Yes, and this is the much bigger point I wanted to make is that you can like sure maybe this is maybe chances has some weird insidious plan to make his image brighter in Chicago, which isn't really a problem in the first place. But um, we have people like we have actual billionaires who buy like serious serious publications and can basically control our entire perception about. Um, not only them, but politics and, world, and our entire worldview. I mean, Rupert Murdoch owns Fox News, and they pretty much control America and therefore the world right now. Yes, Rupert Murdoch owns Fox News, Bezos owns Washington Post, and the Sinclair Broadcasting Group owes, owns over 200 local uh, news stations. So large amounts of our media are already being controlled by these insanely 
it definitely for sure insidious organizations so i'm not sure how people are getting so upset that chance the rapper is maybe doing something like that i think i think in the end it's it's just kind of like a little bit of this a little bit of that he just wanted to do this and and it's just going to be played off this way in the image but i don't know i, I don't know at the end of the day chance is a small fish in a very big pond yeah it's like we're living in some kind of fucking like cyberpunk like deus ex dystopia and people are ignoring uh, uh like bob page and looking over at you know some like chance the rapper basically saying oh that this is terrible and it's like there's much bigger like, this it's the same issue but it's a much bigger problem and much more relevant to the other guys right yes like they have uh, far greater control over the narrative of our lives than some uh, rapper with a website that deals with a single you know city in America. So maybe we should maybe we should focus on the bigger problems first. You know, uh, a million percent agree. Oh man, I do have a thing to talk about though. One thing, okay, real quick. Um, you're talking about how uh, one of us here is hungover. Um, not saying who it is yet. You know, could be could go either way. Still could be either one of us. Still fucking uh, up in the air. But I saw this the other day, and it's um, an article from uh, CBS News, uh, which says more Americans are drinking themselves to death. Study suggests, um, and it says right here that uh, the increase. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Um, since 2009, a growing number of Americans uh, have died from liver d- disease and liver cancer, um, and especially among the 25 to 34 year olds, which are the millennials, of course. Of course. Drinking ourselves to death at a much higher rate than we used to is similar to the the opioid epidemic, which we all pretty much know about. Um, But yeah, dude, it seems like we are, uh, we're, we're turning to alcohol to, uh, to save ourselves. Smart. (laughs) Alcohol never lets you down. It says right here that between 1999 and 2016, deaths from cirrhosis increased by 65% from about 20,000 in 1999 to 34,000 in 2016. Uh, Deaths from liver cancers doubled from 5,100 to 1,100 in the same time period. And it says that men had nearly twice as many deaths from cirrhosis and almost four times as many from liver cancer, um, which is, Jesus Christ, that's insane. Holy shit. And the greatest increase in deaths from cirrhosis was seen among white Native Americans and Hispanics, which, you know, that makes sense, too. But... God damn. It's like, people, man, it's like, it's just like, to me, this just demonstrates, to, to like, how bad the world is that we're turning to liquor and alcohol to, to solve our problems and make us forget for a while, you know? Yeah, this is something I was talking, I was, it's along the same lines as something I was talking about the other day with a friend is... We're talking about how, like, if you have older family members or just older people you know, like, let's say 70 or something, um, like, some, some of them can, like, who aren't, like, don't have a lot of medical issues are still kind of, like, lively and have a spring in their step, and they'll, like, they'll make fun of younger people for wanting to take naps all the time and not doing this and not doing that. And at the end of the day, I, what, and my, and what my big theory is that, you know, when those people were young, they had the whole world ahead of them and the world was it wasn't as extremely oppressive as it is now and they didn't realize it either but over time as we've we've started to realize this as the generations go on and on we've started to realize just how fucking fucked up everything is and how shitty our situation is and it's kind of made us want to you know curl up and cry and drink all day 
because we're we're really starting to realize how fucked we are. Yeah, look at my, my, my medical bills, and I'm like, fuck. This and my student loans, and my car payments, and my credit card bills, and you're just like, god damn, I'm gonna be stuck in debt forever. Yeah, there's not really a way out, so you just stay there, and then you die. It kind of reminds me of this thing I, I, I once read about in a class I had. And it was about, um, after World War II, uh, like post-World War II Japan, how there was a popular drink among people uh, that was like alcohol cut with gasoline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet fuel. And you would drink it and you would just fucking die. Like, like not all the time, of course, but it was a pretty deadly thing to drink. And people just did it anyways because they just they saw no hope for the future. They were like, "Our our time is up. You know, our world has ended. Why I have a question. continue going? Go ahead. How did you discover this jet fuel drink? Uh, the first time I learned about it, and I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, but I first learned about it in a college class. Did not connect it to the other time I learned about it until <laughs> later. Okay, well. I guess I'll tell the story. We were watching an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and the gang was on a boat. And not the gang buys a boat, different episode. And, they, and Charlie and Frank were looking for jet fuel because they wanted to get drunk. And this guy over here is like, you can't get drunk off of jet fuel. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the people on It's Always Sunny do their research and like know this stuff. And he was like, I just know, that's just not how it works. So then he looked it up, and then he found, and he was like, oh, yeah, I actually already knew that. So I just didn't think about it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, just don't ever doubt the research and development they do for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. To be fair, what do you think would happen if you drank jet fuel? Just without not, having, not without, good without stuff. knowing this, what would you think would happen? Not good stuff. <laughs> However, I do think it's the kind of stuff that the characters in It's Always Sunny would enjoy. That's true. I guess technically getting drunk is is a not good thing because it is like damaging your body, but we do it anyways. Yes, one of us did yesterday. You guys, <laughs> you guys are still allowed to guess who it is. <laughs> we saw... Also, if you if you want to guess, you can call in. Yeah, definitely. You can call us at one eight hundred five 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 six six two four nine eight seven, and uh, <laughs> let us know live on the show who you think is a uh, who you think is a uh, is hungover. Um, I did remember one time I was in college, I went to a friend's house, he was like a, he was like a trailer, um, and on the mm-hmm. porch, instead of like chairs, he had like the back two rows of, uh, of seats from a van that he pulled out, and mm-hmm. had those as chairs for you to sit in, like propped up on, uh, cinder blocks, and they would just fuck around and stuff out there, and, uh, one night, the, one of the roommates came home and he worked at the airport, and he mm-hmm. had like secretly bottled up a bit of jet fuel. And he was like, let's toss this shit in the burn barrel. That's a thing in the South. We have burn barrels. Yeah. And, and let's, like, let's see what happens. Do you know what happened, Seth? Does it blow up? He tossed that fucking mason jar of jet fuel into that fucking burn barrel. And it just created a plume of flame about 40 feet high. It was insane. It burned like for a straight, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds. It was hot as hell and it was incredibly scary. I thought we were going to like burn down the whole goddamn trailer park. How did um, this guy get his hands on jet fuel? He worked at the airport. They, okay, that's an explanation. I just don't, I think they don't, just don't give out jet fuel. Like, I don't think you get a mason jar of jet fuel every month for working at American Airlines, okay? No, I, I think he was gassing up one of the planes and he secretly snuck a little bit in a mason jar out. That is a brazen thing to do. It really is. This shit is volatile as hell. 
So yes, if you ever get speaking, oh go ahead. Speaking of volatile as hell, mm-hmm. Segway. Um, Disney made a decision very quickly this week that I guess we can talk about. Yeah, I'm down for this. Um, so the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are uh, directed by a man named James Gunn, who also did movies like Slither and. What else? What else is James Gunn? He, he did a lot of small time trauma films back in the day. Yeah, so he he he's there, and people uncovered some old tweets of his that were interesting, to say the least. Well, hold on. Let's let's, let's before we go on. Let's 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 talk about the people who did. I don't know about the people who did. So uh, the person who did the primary thing here was Mike Cernovich. Which people wow. might know as the Gamergate lawyer, and then Trump train guy, and now crystals and earth magic healing, uh, right wing uh, conspiracy theorist, um, real big into like uh, PizzaGate and shit like that. So yeah, Mike mm-hmm. Cernovich was responsible for this. Don't, let's not forget the person who found it. But yeah, proceed. Yeah, and so and I don't even know how fast this. I think it happened within a mere hours. Um, Disney kicked James Gunn off of uh, the new movie Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that he's going to be directing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's uh, it's a mixed bag of feelings right now because, one, the tweets were weird. They were certainly weird. Um, very pedophilic? Is that a word? Uh, I would say it's more, it, it was more, uh, in my opinion, what it reminded me of was South Park. Just juvenile ass humor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the content of it was some of them were like basically about like sex with children, but none of it, it none of it seemed like James Gunn is a pedophile. It seemed like he was just making really really weird and juvenile jokes. Like he was like, I just watched Expendables two and I had to fuck the boy pussy next to me. Yeah, or like and, a shower was weak, so it felt like a three year old peeing on my head. Yeah, so it was weird shit like that and. You know, it's one of those. It's one of those things where I mean, I guess I understand. Obviously, I understand Disney's decision. They just don't want their brand associated with this. But it's also like, I mean, it, it, to me, like I said, because the jokes just seem so juvenile, and they were done six years ago, to where I'm just like, I don't even know if this is even an issue. Yeah, it's like I back then in 2010 and shit. I was saying some pretty fucked up stuff. Um... But I did it anonymously, right? Like, I was, I was a 4chan kind of guy. No one knows what I said back then. I don't, don't want to repeat it now because it was some terrible shit, right? Yeah. And, but I, I had that benefit. But we got up. I mean, it's like people don't understand how much the world has changed over the past few years, right? Like, we have really, as a country uh, and a people, I guess, gained a new awareness, right, that we did not have before. And I'm not excusing our behavior back then. It was still bad, whatever. We said things that we shouldn't have and did things we shouldn't have. But we gotta we gotta like make room for the idea that people can change, I think. We've talked about this before on our podcast a couple of times. People people can change. They can they can become better and we gotta allow for that. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean, especially with something so small and juvenile like this. I just don't. I don't see the the use in getting fired. And it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't know about the whole Mike Cernovich thing until right now. Well, do you know um, why Cernovich did it? No. All right. So let's let's roll back for a second here. This all comes back to Mark Duplass. 
um, yes. who is an actor on a show called The League. He's made a couple of horror movies people say are good. Um, yeah, he, he does a lot of directing and stuff. Yeah, I haven't watched any of them, but I hear, I hear the good stuff. He yeah. made a tweet a while, like, literally like last week, about uh, saying that people should should like follow Ben Shapiro because if you don't, uh, even if you don't agree with him, he makes good arguments and stuff like that, and he once helped out Mark Duplass without needing to. And it's like, yeah, we got to reach across the aisle. And he's been on this little track of reach, reaching across the aisle for a while now. Mm-hmm. And he said this, and then immediately got you know tons of of angry responses from who, who rightfully are like, no, Ben Shapiro is a fucking racist uh, little prick. And I mean that literally. He is about four uh, inches tall. So they really went hard for Mark Duplass, and he deleted it, and he apologized. And then he also deleted the apology because it was like again saying we need to reach across the aisle and understand people who are different from us. And so that, that whole shit went badly. And James Gunn stepped in to basically uh, defend Mark Duplass, but also make fun of Ben Shapiro in the process. So mm-hmm. that was when Cernovich and his internet detectives got involved and found these old deleted tweets on uh, archive.is and posted them and basically brought it to, brought it this to his attention. But let's be honest here. Disney already knew about these tweets. They, they, they weren't... They, this wasn't some mystery shit to them. Yeah. I mean, they do their research, clearly. But they realized at the time that people were not going to look back at this guy's history because why would they? What would be the motivation for that? So they had him delete the tweets. He apologized for the tweets back then. And then that was all we heard about until now when it became much more well-known because Mike Cernovich has a huge base of people who will spread this crazy-ass shit and manage to get James Gunn fired. And I don't really care so much about the whole James Gunn getting fired thing. That's whatever. But I, I do care about the fact that this, this is this is us us as a society caving to the demands of the far right for shit they do all the time. Yeah, I mean, you pull up tweets. You can pull up a recent tweet from Mike Cernovich, and it'll be disgusting. Yeah. I mean, so I don't even understand all this. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird to me. I mean, I don't, I don't hold Disney to some higher standard. They're... Just as bad as any other corporation there is. Maybe one of the worst, actually. So, but I just, it just irks me that they're caving into the the demands of somebody like Mike Cernovich. Which is just going to boost his profile more and give him more power. Let's not forget. Let's not forget again that Mike Cernovich is the guy who was like, who was like on in the Gamergate shit when he first gained notoriety and was like, talking about drinking gorilla cum and shit, all right? So let's not yeah. forget where Mike Cernovich comes from, who he represents. Like, he's a piece of shit who is apparently a lawyer, but he lives off of the alimony from his wife, who is much more successful than him, and, like, lives in their basement or some shit? I don't know. He is uh, definitely not someone that we need to be allowing to dictate the course of anything. Also, quick fuck you to Disney real quick. Um... So over the past two years, Disney has becoming has been more and more insidious in how they um, make their movies release in theaters. Um, a lot of a lot of things like you can't use like if you, the theater had given you like a free movie pass or something for you know them fucking up or whatever, um, you can't use it on any Disney movies. They force theaters to play their movies on their best on their biggest screens for like up to two or three two three four weeks, even if like bigger movies are coming out. Um, and then just this week, I found out that Disney requires all theaters to play their movies for four weeks, even if it's a small town theater that only has one screen. Jesus. 
So, like, if a small town theater, like, normally people go to see, like, whatever movie is out, um, they'll, they'll, they miss basically three weeks of movies if they want to have the, late, the latest Disney movie in. So That's fucked up, man. It's really fucked up, and it, it's just a terrible business practice. And I just want to say, real quick, that I look at those James Gunn tweets, and I just kind of, like, at this point, I just shrug. I'm like, whatever. You know, it was said... Eight, you know, ten years ago in some cases, it's it was par for the course at the time for the kind of humor people were putting out in some yeah. in some areas. It's dumb, it's juvenile, it's ill-informed, but you got to take it into a, you got to take it into fucking consideration the time period that it was made in and the intent behind them. So I don't know. It's just like I don't see why a person should get fired for things they said before if they apologize for them. And don't say that kind of shit anymore, right? Yeah, and it, I don't know, it's just... I mean, once again, we've talked about this, we talked about this one, we talked about the me, like me Too, and we talked about Tentacion. It's like, there's obviously people who have done really bad things and don't deserve any kind of redemption, like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And then there's some people who did really small shit, like make a, some juvenile jokes, and lose you know a, a job that they're very good at james gunn has made two very good guardians of the galaxy movies at this point and i was i was excited to see what he was gonna do with the third so yeah, me too. it's just weird also since he is out though i would recommend that uh and i always say his name wrong but taika watiti mm-hmm. should direct guardians of the galaxy 3 in my opinion yeah he seems to have the, the same level like same kind of humor not the same kind of humor but the ability to bring that kind of humor to a movie yeah and he did Ragnarok, which was colorful and space-oriented, so it worked out. Yeah, he'd make a good, he'd make a good replacement, in my opinion. Because let's, let's be honest here, Disney's not going to go back on this decision. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think any company would go back on it. It's just not something you can do. Even if you had every right to, it's just, in business, you can not you can never like go back on a decision you made because it's just considered bad practice. There was actually, not too long ago, there was a guy, uh, oh man, I think it was Sam Cedar, who got fired mm-hmm. from MSNBC because of something Mike Cernovich brought up from years ago, and then MSNBC hired him back like three days later. Yeah, but that's a that much MSNBC. lower lower profile thing than this, right? Yeah, like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are huge. A lot of people have seen them, so they the news probably has percolated out to people, and they probably look, most people probably look at the tweets and don't have the historical context that me and you do, like being like me, like being especially like, yeah, we're internet historians, so. I was going to call it extremely online. Um, but yeah, so they probably see that. Like, oh, God, these are terrible. How could they possibly ever hire the guy? Poor Disney never knew. Nah, man, they knew. They just thought no better to find out, you know? Yeah, never forget that uh, there's a time in the mid-2000s where uh, some photos got leaked of a Disney, one of the Disney Channel actresses, uh, Vanessa Hudgens. And, like, there's nude photos of her, and she was, like, young or whatever, and... Then it like there was like a small period of unrest, and then Disney sh- put that shit into the ground, and everyone forgot about it. Yeah, and I the, the how they did it, I have no idea. But they like literally strangled public opinion on this thing to where it didn't exist anymore. So they got they have power a lot. And if you want to see an example of how different time the times were back then. Go back and watch some Daily Show uh, episodes or, or, or bits from 2004 or five somewhere in there. Yeah. And just be amazed at the homophobia and transphobia. Yeah, um, I mean, from someone who is as liberal as Jon Stewart. 
Yeah. Like, there was an, ep- an episode one time where they were, they were showing a clip of Dennis Kucinich. Is that how you say his name? I can never remember. I think so. He was going to run for president in 04, I believe. And he, his platform included things like, we should have, you know, gay marriage, and we should recognize the rights of transgender people. And it comes back to Jon Stewart going like, look at this fucking whack job over here demanding insane, like insane shit. And you're like, I mean, so are we going to judge that? I mean, by the, the standards of the day, where we're somewhat, we're yeah. slightly better than we were back then? Unless we're exactly. of ourselves, we ain't that much better than we were back then. Not yet. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, like I'm sure even I'm sure even these days, John Stewart would be mad at that segment. But the fact that it, it, I mean, it happened, it was, I mean, I don't know. That's that's one of those things where your political opinion shouldn't be that much different about that, those kind of issues back then. Um, but because of how the world was, and you know, all that. They were even liberals were able to make those kind of jokes and somehow get away with it. Well, because we were we were a very different culture back then. Like again, things have changed so much, and I, I credit most of that to the internet accelerating our awareness of other people's you know lives. Right? Like we have. I mean, we've changed so much. It's I still say so much, but it's also so little. Um, that you know, it's just it's a different world. It's a very different world than it was, and there's no one point in time you can point to and be like, okay, here's where we started to get woke. It's been a progressive process, you know. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of uh, of people who um, I guess from the past, this is this is the opposite of John Stewart, I suppose. A person from the past who still who had good politics and still does. Did you mm-hmm. see what happened with Tazon Day? Dude, Tazon Day went fucking in on Twitter. Dude, this shit's wild. Um, I saw this tweet the other day from a uh, from Tazon Day, uh, which reads, uh, "Being poor now just leads to being more poor later. Can't pay to clean your teeth next year, pay for root canal. Can't pay for a new mattress next year, pay for back surgery. Can't pay for th- to get that lump checked out next year, pay for stage three cancer. Poverty charges interest." Yes. And it's like, that that's absolutely true. That is 100% how it works. Yes. Speaking of internet historians, Tazon Day was one of the first big fucking YouTube things. Uh, of, in case you don't, aren't, in case none of you are familiar, uh, he's of Chocolate Rain fame. He's a very regular looking guy with a very interesting singing voice, and people got really obsessed with that for a while. Um, I don't even know what he does now. I didn't even know he was still around until I saw this tweet. It, like, it, here's the thing: when did Chocolate Rain come out? Like, when did that happen? It was so long ago. So, like, there's probably an entire like, generation of internet users who have never heard Chocolate Rain or know about the fucking just how how wild that shit went. Chocolate Rain was uploaded. April 22nd, 2007. Holy shit. And it has 118 million views. I was still in high school when this happened. Yes. Like, so yeah, there's basically an entire generation of people on the internet who never saw Chocolate Rain or don't know shit about it. And even then, if you go back and listen to like, the lyrics of Chocolate Rain, it's a, very, it's a song that's very much aware of like racial discrimination and stuff like that. But all yeah, it's remember, like a dope song. But all we remember is the, like, I leave me from the mic to breathe in kind of shit and his voice, right? Yeah. So, like, we kind of overlook the seriousness of the lyrics for uh, for that. But, uh, so, yeah, uh, Tay's on Day, uh, 
Got pretty good. Got pretty good politics. A good awareness of how poverty works. Yeah, it's a fucking smart guy. I hope he's doing well. Yeah, me too. Me too. He seems like he. Uh, I just looked at his YouTube channel, and his last video was from four months ago, and it only had eighty-one thousand views. So, I don't think he's still doing the YouTube thing that big. Eh, probably not. So. Most early folks have moved on. Like, uh, didn't uh, didn't Donald Glover get his start on YouTube? Uh, a little bit, yeah. The Derek comedy skits were on YouTube uh, with him and DC Pearson and uh, that other guy. Yeah, they did some YouTube skits, and then they did a movie, Mystery Team, and then, yeah, from there on, he, like, got his gig on Community and all that. Did he, uh, did he have anything to do with the, was that, was that, the, was part of the Keyboard Kid thing? Keyboard Kid, yeah. So, like, I don't know if he wrote it or whatever, or was part of the writers for Keyboard Kid, but we watched that shit in college so many fucking times. Yeah, Keyboard Kid was great. It's, uh, man, yeah, that's, old man. ass memes. God, internet. We, we could do a whole episode on some early-ass internet and YouTube shit. Success Kid. Advice yep. Dog. Oh, man. It's great Col- memes. Back when college humor was funny. <laughs> when Funnier Die was getting its first, like, its start. Yeah, and fucking Will Ferrell was making YouTube videos. Like, what the fuck? That was a wild time right there, man. Yeah. Crazy shit was happening. My internet historians, that's some internet history right there. Back when people were still playing Halo 2 on LAN. Yeah, I was about to say, with, the, with like the LAN cable. Waiting for Halo 3 to come out. Boy, that was that was some times right there. Watching Keyboard Kid waiting for Halo 3 to come out. Yeah. Most 2007 Take me back. shit ever. <laughs> At a more innocent time than it was now, Barack Obama was running for president. We were all like, "Man, are we gonna are we gonna let a black guy named Barack Obama? That'd be fucking crazy." Yeah. Never, never imagined that would happen. It's kind of crazy, actually, how both of our two most recent presidents were people that no one thought would win. Exactly. Like you're sitting there in 2007, going, "His name is Barack Hussein Obama. No one will ever vote for this guy," and then he fucking won. Yeah, that was that was one thing for me. Is like. I always thought when we had our first black president, it would be some guy with like a name like Ben Carson or something. You know, just something super bland. Our first black president was named Barack Hussein Obama. Yes. That is, is still wild. I still remember the night when he won. Um, I had forgotten that I, I mean, like, dude, I don't know what it was. I mean, I went and voted. I drove back to our home, our, our home county. It was like a 20 minute drive to yeah. get back there and vote. And I came back home. And I was, like, so deep in some assignment for class that I had to work on that I forgot that I had even done the voting thing. Mm-hmm. And I just heard this goddamn, like, uproar from outside, like, crazy amounts of noise. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? I like, ran out of the apartment to see what the fuck was going on. And people were just, like, cheering out in the hallways. And it was because Obama had won. And I had to ask somebody. They're like, oh. He's like, he won. And I was like, who? Then Obama. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> back to work i just forgot entirely um but dude people were fucking out in the streets over that shit yeah it was uh nice time to be alive before we before we uh we knew the true horrors that were gonna come down the pike yeah ignorance is bliss i'll say that indeed indeed um so i do want to talk about one more thing that i have here it's an article that i found from uh, all right the Marshall Project. 
uh, called A View of Tomorrow, and it's about uh, a thing that I find personally pretty goddamn insane. Um, it's about um, these people who were sentenced to life in prison uh, when they were juveniles. You ever heard of this? No. Uh, in 2012, the Supreme Court uh, decided that mandatory life without parole for juveniles was unconstitutional, and mm-hmm. so they had to go back and retroactively change all these. Uh, well, actually, in 2018 is when it's made it retroactive um, to go back and reevaluate all these juveniles who have been in prison um, for life. And one of the people who is who is like, profiled in this this uh, thing, um, this article was named Danny Peters, uh, who is uh, 55 years old, and he has been in prison uh, since he was 17. Since 1980, mm-hmm. he's never been to the outside world beyond that, Damn. and so that's first of all insane. I cannot believe we used to allow that to happen. That again, the world has changed a lot recently, and so yeah. they are attempting to rehabilitate these people back into the world. And do and to do that, they're using VR. Yeah, they're um, using uh, virtual reality. They're putting these guys in VR helmets. And they're using that to to show them how to walk around in, in the world and how to, to, to deal with things like halfway houses because they're trying to put them in halfway houses and then get them back out into the world. And these are guys who, have, again, have been locked up in, in prison their entire adult lives. They've never had to have a, like a, a, like a, like a, a, non, a job that wasn't slavery. They never had to pay bills. They never had to fucking you know, uh, see about their uh, their finances or whatever. They've been in prison. And these, these sound like, like we're... we're, we're like, these are things they should want to do, but, like, prison sucks. No one wants to be in prison, right? Prison's terrible. Obviously. And the article goes on to talk about, um, this is, this is a statement right here. Ultimately, McIntyre settled on helping pri- inmates deal with the anxiety of freedom by creating a 360-degree uh, video of the state's halfway houses. It cost the Department of Corrections $3,500 to film all the centers, and the 24 headsets it uses run less than $500 a piece. I, I hate that we're bringing price into this. Like, yeah. We're, we're putting a price tag on people dealing with the anxiety of freedom. Yeah, it's like that's the money is no object when it comes to this thing. We I don't, I'm not sure why we're trying to cut corners on this one. Like, we did these folks dirty by putting them in prison for life when they were 17 years old, and, and now we want to start pinching pennies when it comes to getting them back out into the world. And some of the lessons here are crazy. Like, uh, right now we have 32 lessons, she said, from how to cook a hot dog in the microwave to how to do laundry, how to self-scan the checkout, how to walk on a busy street, how to use an ATM card. Like, that's the kind of stuff they're they're having to teach them. Wow. That's... That... I mean, and it's it's because you think about it. If If you haven't seen the fucking outside world since 1980, I mean... Shit's way different. Oh, yeah, listen to this. Smith hired uh, a VR company based in New York, uh, Nisenia VR, to develop the interactive videos. The DOC received $20,000 from the state to run the program, and it cost $180,000 to buy equipment and make the video modules. The videos play in a headset, and inmates use controllers that double as virtual hands to complete tasks. The graphics aren't photorealistic, but they are real enough to evoke strong reactions from the user. Quote, we had one gentleman who did the grocery store video, Smith said. When he took the headset off, he had st- tears streaming down his face, and the first thing out of his mouth was, what else in the world has changed? 
Wow. Get ready. Like, imagine that. Like, the fucked up thing of seeing the world change. Like, you've been in a fucking box your entire life, and you don't know anything about the outside world. God, that's... Yeah, I mean, we can talk about prison all day and how terrible we treat prisoners and how unjust most prisoners are in jail for and it's just it's just a disgusting system especially when you think about the fact that we literally have an institution called for-profit prisons yeah and then there's all these shows on tv about being inside a prison or whatever all these little like uh like a and e shows or whatever yeah like lock up and all that yeah and it's disgusting to watch like like like, it's like there's this weird distance we have from prison being on the outside and not knowing. I mean, I don't know shit about prison either. All I know is what I read, what I've seen on TV and movies and what I've, you know, have seen in interviews. But I can tell that it's a hellish environment to live in, right? It's bad. You don't want to be there. But, like, and we see this, but we still subject people to it, you know? Like, we still put them in these fucking, these, you know, concrete, uh, like, cages and fucking make them live there. And, like, the inhumanity of that is insane to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's not good. It's like uh, one of the platforms that I like in politics from the DSA and other people is to have uh, prison abolition as a, as a plank because honestly, prisons don't need to exist for anyone but violent offenders, right? Like, and even then, it should be about rehabilitation and not punishment. And you sure shouldn't be able to enslave people while they're in there. Yes, you shouldn't be able to make somebody um, work because, I mean, it's like it's slavery. You're making them work against their will because you've put them somewhere against their will. And, yeah, most people who are in prison shouldn't be there, like, petty crimes and all that. That, should, that shouldn't even put you anywhere. And then, yeah, violent offenders should have a place to go to, you know, learn and to... And if and if they're if they're too far gone, obviously we'll have a place to put those people too. But at, overall, I'd say you can cut out ninety percent of prisons. Like, yeah, it's because again we we punish people in prison instead of rehabilitating them. That's the crazy part to me is like you read all of our stuff about our law systems, and it's all like high-minded nonsense about how we're gonna try and be impartial and we're not going to bring you know feelings into it we're just going to we're just going to do what's necessary to for the law and then you look at the actual things to do people in prison and you're like this is punishment this is not this is not rehabilitation it's not restitution you're just you're just torturing them for nothing They're, you're never going to let them out you're just you're, you're you're i hate to bring cost into it but you're wasting money on something that doesn't do anything except hurt people for no reason Exactly, and like you said, a lot of people who are in prison shouldn't even be there. Like, like if you if you get arrested for like carrying drugs or something, or if you have like I don't know petty theft or or whatever, those are not crimes you should be locked in a box in, for for years to pay back. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, one of the many many issues we have right now, and I mean people uh people don't really get it. I don't think they don't understand that you don't need to be punished for these kind of crimes, especially drug crimes. Those are dumb. Why even punish those? That's insane. Forget about that. 
And then you let the people who do the white collar, as they call it, crimes, you know, the the, the embezzlement and the, the fucking, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, larceny and stuff like that, they get away scot-free. They go to, they go, if, if they go to prison, they go to the fucking a nice place of minimum security where they get all the things they still need in the outside world. And it's yeah. not fair. And you look at some guy on the street who gets busted for, like, carrying marijuana or for stealing some money from somebody, which is is bad, but at the same time, it's not years of your life in prison bad. Yeah, I mean, almost nothing is that bad. And all you got to understand about it is, all you got to know is that when they go to prison, they can be put to work in a slave labor shop and paid pennies on the dollar to work and then it starts to click for you why we put people in prison. Now you understand why we do it. Yeah. Did you know that actually down in Angola in uh, in Louisiana that far- that that uh, prisoners work on farms? Really? Yeah. They have them out there in the hot ass Louisiana sun and that humidity, fucking picking vegetables and cotton and shit. That's just savage. And you've only got to guess at what race most of those prisoners are, too. Yeah, I kind of figured that out. It, yeah, dude, you look at... Like, first of all, America, I think, has the highest incarcerated population in the world. And it is wildly skewed to be mostly black and Hispanic uh, over whites. It's just it's just wildly skewed in that direction. And it does not take a fucking a, a brain genius to understand why that is. Brain genius. <laughs> You'll have to be a fucking, uh, what, what's the old the joke, a rocket surgeon to understand. Yeah. We just locking people up because we just want slaves again. This is how it is. Yeah. It's That's fucked up, it You got any more topics you want to you wanna bring up? <sighs> no. I think that the, whichever one of us is hungover is getting <laughs> tapped. I want to bring up one more thing before we go. Go ahead. It's the thing we talked about last week on the, the Forbidden episode that will never be released. Mm-hmm. Um... But I want to repeat it because it's very important. And we have not said it on the podcast before. This is not a reiteration. This is a, this is something we need to say again. We were having a discussion about the economy and how how in the past a single person could work one job. Usually, the man could of a family could work a job and support the entire family. Right? Could pay for mm-hmm. a house, car, you know, uh, college fund, all that kind of stuff for their kids, all that kind of stuff. Right? And we were talking about how this was saved by women entering the workforce in the late 70s and uh, and throughout the 80s. And I, at the time, made the mistake of saying that women went to work. And I apologize for that. I'm going to do it again because, even though no one heard it, because we need to, once again, reiterate that the work women did before they went to an actual job, like a a, a government-recognized job, like homemakers as they're called, is Mm -hmm. still work. I want to say it again, domestic work, you know, cooking, cleaning, uh, raising children, that is a legit job that, to be honest, should be compensated for what you do. So if we make it again uh, on Alina's podcast, our official position is that domestic work is work. It is labor that should be valued. Yes. And, uh... Too often, I think it's overlooked in every, even even from a leftist like a, a, a socialist standpoint, we never talk about the fact that 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 domestic work is work, right? We talk about job programs, getting everybody in, in, into a position. We never talk about the fact that 
one of the big reasons we should have UBI is there's such a, a large amount of labor that's being done that's productive that is not accounted for in our official systems, right? Yep, it's very true. Like, uh, uh, the, the work of keeping the house uh, of a family... It, it, I feel weird when I say this. It's a very, it seems like a very conservative talking point. It's all about the family, right? Do you ever feel weird about that? About what? About, like, you know, using the family as a basis for things. Like, uh, two parents and kids or whatever. Yeah. Because that's not necessarily the, the arrangement that everyone has. And it's also not even necessarily the common arrangement. But it's what I, it's what, kind of what we have to use. But the work of keeping that system running, whatever it is you happen to live in, if you, if you are a two-parent household with, with kids, or if you're a single person with kids, or just a single person, the work of keeping your house running, like cooking and cleaning and feeding yourself and all that kind of stuff, is necessary work that contributes to the economy, because if you didn't do it, you would not be a member of society. Yeah. So it should be, it should be compensated and recognized and, and, and uh, accounted for. But yeah. Yes, UBI. UBI for sure. But not this Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos shit they want to do where they, they pay you a, a, a UBI and they just jack up your rents and the prices of products to account for that. No, fuck that shit. Yeah. UBI with fucking, uh, I don't know. If, if prices, if cost of living goes up, UBI should go up and it should be enough to give you enough money to live on and to have, you know, I, ha- I hesitate to say luxuries, you know, but you should be able to... A reasonable amount things. of comfort. Yeah. A decent standard of living is what we should yeah. all have. And and you should have that just for existing. Not You shouldn't have to work for it. Yeah. Because, you know, not everyone can work. And also, at the same time, um, everyone is doing some kind of labor that is valuable in some way, in most cases. But... Yep. That's the podcast. I think That's one of us podcast. is... is uh, Whichever one that is. Whoever it um, could be. Before we go, I think we both want to give a big recommendation. If you have not seen it yet, go see Sorry to Bother You. Hell yeah. It is an incredible movie. The fact that it exists is so crazy, and it aligns with the beliefs of this podcast pretty much 100%. So, I agree. Go check it out. It's a fantastic movie with great performances, and yeah, you won't regret it. It's it's such a good time. And we're gonna do an episode about it. Yeah, we will. We have to. It's it's too it's just too much the kind of movie we need to do an episode about. There's also a lot of demand among the Millennials fans for us to do an episode about the Meg. So just keep that in mind. We're gonna have to do an episode about that. I don't know why they want to see that, but they do. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up for the Meg episode, though. I wouldn't either, to be honest. I'm not sure there's a lot to say. What is what is there to say about the Meg that hasn't already been said by the trailers and everything? Uh, but yeah, so I'm Smith. You can find me on Twitter. I'm uh, at MCSurf. I'm Seth on Twitter, at RealJamesGunn. <laughs> uh, you can find... Uh, um, you can't find him, but our artist is Marcus Barkley. He does all of our art stuff. Yep. You cannot find him, and you'll never find him. Exactly. We'll just say his name... And that's it, because you, there's nothing you can do with it. Um, so, yeah, as always, from New Orleans to New York, uh, fuck Tom Brady and Kevin Durant. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but it won't get under it. We've stopped uh, trying to fix our problems. We're just trying to start outliving them. Yeah, and there's one we always forget. So That's true. So we're not going to say it. 
Yep. We're out. All right. Out.